Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back into a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. It's Thursday. It's 7 o'clock. That means we are into the strike zone hour. We'll do nothing but baseball here during the 7 o'clock hour. If you want to join us, you can do so. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet into the program as well. At Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. By the way, quick shout out before we move any further. Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. Today it is his birthday. So if you happen to call into the program, he'll be the person picking up. Feel free to wish him a happy birthday. You know what? Even if you don't want to come on the program and you just want to call and wish him a happy birthday, I'm not going to be mad at you. 314-436-7900. You can tweet in that number or text in that number and wish him a happy birthday. I'll make sure that he'll see it on the text line. You can tweet it. What's your Twitter? Matt, what's your Twitter handle? Is it just, is it Pajeski KMOX? It's same and it's Polish and it's too complicated. P-O-D-J-E-S-K-I-K-M-O-X. Yeah, a lot of letters. Yeah. All right. So you can tweet at him and we, how old are you today? 13 years old. You're, I can't, I can't you believe they let me work here. I'm 24 today. Congratulations for making it to your 24th birthday. I'm feeling old. I'm in my mid-20s now. My back's hurting. Things are different. I'm going to bed earlier. You're not going to bed earlier. I drive a big car. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? A Chevy Malibu. That's right. I've been in it once. It's Sorry. not a big car. So there it is. Matt Pajeski is celebrating birthday number 24 today. Make sure to, uh, if, you, if you'd like to, you can wish him a happy birthday. All right. So I wanted to get into this. This is probably the biggest story uh, regarding the Cardinals of the last 24 hours. There was a concerted effort yesterday from Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt to defend their manager. Uh, Nolan Arenado told The Athletic, quote, uh, when asked about um, Ali Marmel, he said, My personal opinion, I think Ali has been dealt a tough hand the last two years. I really do believe that. Last year we were young, and if it wasn't for Albert Pujols, I don't know where we'd be. It's a young team, and it's hard to win with a lot of young players. Doesn't mean we can't because we've done it. We did it last year, and we can go out and do it again. But we really have to step up and play at a better level. Ali has been great. The coaching staff has been great. I just think it's not easy to come in and try to put this together. Paul Goldschmidt spoke with the Post-Dispatch. He said that his confidence in Marmel is as high as it's ever been. Quote, it's pretty simple. We have to play better. 
We haven't played good enough to win, and that's why we're losing games. You can't blame the coaching staff when we don't perform. We are the ones out there playing. We have not performed as good as we need to. We have not played better than the teams we're playing against. It hasn't been good enough, and they've beaten us. We are the ones out there playing, and we haven't done a good enough job. I appreciate that from them, and again, I've been on record saying that I do not believe that the Cardinals' issue is connected to Oliver Marmel. We got a text message, and I wanted to get into this. A text message from the 618 saying, I'm mildly surprised at the vociferous, indignant defense of Marmel and the establishment sports media. I really have nothing against Ollie. He's probably a victim of a worn-out Cardinal system that he is required to follow. So, from a fan standpoint... And I keep hearing from people calling in, texting in, tweeting in, just just being around the ballpark, talking with fans. I hear from so many people who want Oliver Marmel fired. And then I am certainly not alone in my belief that firing Marmel isn't going to accomplish a whole lot of anything, that he's not the problem. And I think the way I see it is the way that most people who cover this team see it. And whether, you know... I'm not going to tell you that I come in without bias. My job isn't to be completely unbiased. Part of my job is to be hosting on the Cardinals radio network. I'm not, if you're a Derek Gould, if you're a Lynn Worthy, if you guys who are working for, you know, independent media, that sort of things, there's, there's not bias. I've got some bias in there. I want to see the Cardinals do well. That's uh, there. That that's, there's nothing wrong with me saying that that's where I'm at, but it doesn't really matter if it's somebody like me, or if it's somebody else, you just you don't hear people who cover this team, who are around this team, who are in the clubhouse, you don't hear them saying that Oliver Marmel is the pro- problem because he's not. He's not. There are there are problems. You don't have the record that they have without there being problems. There's problems in roster uh, construction and there's problem with un- players underperforming. And I'm not saying Oliver Marmel is a perfect manager. He's not. We, we talk all the time. There are things that decisions he makes or things that he says that I disagree with. But he's not the reason that the Cardinals are 15 games below 500. That's, the, to me, that's very clear. And I think to people who are around the team, that's very clear. And what I don't completely understand is why there's... From this from this group of fans, and I don't know if it's a vocal minority or if it's a majority of people, I can never really tell the difference in the job that I do, but whatever it is, for whatever reason, there's all these people who believe, who so strongly believe that Oliver Marmel has lost the team, that he's lost the clubhouse. I hear that all the time. Oh, he's lost the clubhouse. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. Those guys like playing for him. Those that is not a that's not a group of guys that are lost on their manager, have lost faith in him, have lost hope in him. That's just not true. And when you're in there and when you're around it, you see it and it's obvious. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of people out there that really believe it. And you know what keeps getting brought up? The Tyler O'Neill situation. Over and over and over. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm so sick of talking about it. It's it's as big of a nothing burger as has happened. 
uh, this season, and for sure as it relates to the club right now. It has no impact. But every time somebody calls up and says, Ollie's lost the team, just look at what happened with Tyler O'Neill. I didn't like the way the O'Neill situation was handled. I didn't like the way Marmel did it. Uh, his initial statement, him doubling down on it multiple times. If I would have been doing Oliver Marmel's job, I would have handled that situation incredibly differently than he did. I did not like it. I'll be on record saying that. I did not like it. But you know what impact that's having on the team right now? None. Did you hear a single? Did you hear a single player on that roster come to O'Neill's defense? No, you didn't. And I don't know if it's because they weren't asked or if it's because they don't care or whatever it might be, but that had zero ripples inside of that clubhouse. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato come to Ali Marmel's defense. They didn't come to Tyler O'Neill's defense. And people keep saying that Marmel lost the clubhouse because of that situation. That is just that is as false of a statement as exists out there. And we keep going back to it for whatever reason, and I don't know why. So you're going to believe what you believe if you are somebody that you can be swayed. All I can tell you is if you really believe that Marmel has lost the clubhouse, you're wrong. He hasn't. There's, there's a lot of things that we can look at with this team and try to figure out why in the world they have the record that they have. And we've spent a lot of time doing that recently, uh, but uh, I don't really think that that's. Um, yeah, I just Marmel's not the issue. By the way, one thing I saw, um, I saw this on Twitter today. Um, one of the members of Cardinals Twitter, Ben Sarudi, he uh, he tweeted this out uh, because Nolan Arenado mentioned the fact that the team is so young, and so I'm taking these numbers from his tweet. They're not really that young. League average position player by age, 28.3 years old. Cardinal position players uh, average 27.9, so they're separated by .4. League average pitchers, 29.2. Cardinals average pitcher, 29.8. So basically, the Cardinals are not a young team. They are right in where most teams are across Major League Baseball. All right, we are going to uh, take a break, and uh, when we return, we are going to uh, talk about the series that's going to be uh, coming up. Tim Britton covers the Mets, and he's going to join us coming up in just a moment as we continue on with the Strike Zone. It's all part of Sports Open Line on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. 
Welcome back to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. A Graybar Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. It is the Strike Zone. We do it every Thursday night during the 7 o'clock hour. Cardinals and Mets opening up a series tomorrow. What's on Deck is sponsored by Chesterfield Fincedeck. The sign you have the very best. We're very happy to welcome on to the program. He uh, covers the Mets for The Athletic as a senior writer. He is uh, Tim Britton. You follow him on Twitter at Tim, B-R-I-T-T-O-M-O-N. Excuse me, Tim. Thanks so much for uh, your time. How are you? Pretty good, Matt. What's going on? Uh, so let me start with this. The the Mets are horribly disappointing this season. The Cardinals are horribly disappointing compared uh, the, compared to the expectations at the beginning of the season and where the respective clubs are right now. Who has underachieved the most so far this year? Well, it's funny because I did a, a an interview previewing the Mets last series against the Yankees and had kind of a similar question to and I, I knew both teams were about to sit, you know, the same distance out of first place, but the Yankees were 10 games over 500. Uh, the, the Mets and Cardinals are not in that position. Uh, I mean, to, to me, I, you know, you've seen the Cardinals play. I haven't. Uh, just following it from afar, it, it just seems like there's no reason they should be where they are. I, I understand why the Mets have not, have not reached the point they should be, but the, the Cardinals kind of befuddle me uh, not having paid super close attention to them. So I would say they're even more disappointing given uh, the state of their division and, and the talent they have compared to the other teams in it. Uh, I would say it's hard to it's been hard to find a team more disappointing than the Mets, but but St. Louis has a good case. What are the reasons for how the Mets have performed this year? You know, last year when they won 101 games, uh, it wasn't no one on the team really had this outstanding career season, but they all played kind of at the high end of what you would expect out of them. Uh, and this year, they're all kind of playing at the low end, outside of maybe Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo. So you get Francisco Lindor last year, who had uh, his best offensive season since 2018. Uh, he's taken a step back where he's just, you know, about a league average offensive player for them. Uh, you look at Jeff McNeil, who, who won the batting title in the National League last year. He's hitting 280 this year and has, you know, has, I think, an, one, one or two extra base hits in the last month. Uh, and then the starting rotation, which was a strength for them last year, even as they missed uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom for larger chunks of time. Uh, with Scherzer and Verlander at the top of it this year, there's just been no consistency from those two or really from the entire rotation. Uh, the guys they expected to be the depth starters to help out, uh, David Peterson's back in the minors with a 7-plus ERA. Tyler McGill's got a 5-plus ERA. Uh, so they just, you know, they haven't pitched well from the start of games. They've fallen behind, and it's just kind of snowballed and spiraled on them a little bit. Anytime you have older guys, they can hit a point where they just don't have it anymore. And Scherzer and Verlander, both their ERAs are sitting right around four and a half. Is it a case where these are older guys who are starting to fall back? Or do you feel like these two individuals can be some version of the Scherzer and Verlander we've known for so many years? Well, it's it's so easy to say, given the, the disappointing starts to the season they've had, that, well, of course, you know, Verlander's 40, Scherzer's 38. What could you possibly expect out of them? Well, yeah, Verlander won the Cy Young at 39 last year, yeah. and, and Scherzer had the lowest ERA of his career at 37. So you could have expected better than this for sure. You know, there have been signs from each of them. Verlander's just kind of alternated good starts and bad starts uh, his last several times out. Scherzer looked like he was turning a corner. He looked great for four innings in his uh, not his last start, start before that against Atlanta, and then gave up a four to one lead. His last time out against the Yankees he gave up a five to one lead. I was just hanging slider after slider. Uh, he, you know, he has expressed confidence consistently that, that he can find it, that he knows what he's got to do. 
Uh, I wonder if the pitch clock has, has made it a little tougher for them in game to kind of get themselves out of the, a bad inning. Scherzer's had a few uh, bad innings really spiral on him. Uh, so, I, you know, there's still reason to believe they'll be better than what they've been to this point. But I don't know that you you now think, well, they're both going to have sub three ERAs for them uh, the rest of the year or anything like that. There was a tweet that kind of went viral in the last few days last week. I don't remember exactly when it was sent out, but what it was was it showed the ERA leaders from last year in Major League Baseball and then their ERA this year, and they're not anywhere even close to, to the same zip code. You mentioned the rule changes, the pitch clock, things like that. Is Do you think from a, not just a Mets perspective, but from a baseball perspective, we really have seen a lot of pitchers have very different results this year compared to last year? Do you think the rule changes is the culprit for that? I, I think it can play a role. You know, like with Scherzer, uh, he's a guy who, you know, usually is not giving up four and five run innings the way he has this year. So you wonder, you know, in those frames, how difficult it is to just take, step off the mound, slow the game down and, and find yourself. Uh, there was a stretch, There was a game earlier this season where, where Carlos Carrasco for the Mets threw 56 pitches in under a half hour over a couple of innings because of how quick the game was moving, how, how bad the offense was. They were going one, two, three in between. Uh, so I, I think there are instances like that. I can't speak to every pitcher. You know, I don't know if, if that's the reason Sandy Alcantara is not having the year he had last year or if that's just because he threw so many innings last year. You know, that, that plays a role into it also. Uh, but the Met, for the Mets, it's just been an, an inability for really anyone in that rotation to be kind of a shutdown guy, a stopper when they need it, when they're in a, a stretch like they just were in where they lost 9 out of 10. The Mets might be four games under 500, but they're also only four games out of a, a wild card spot. There's a bunch of teams between them and that final wild card spot, but that's the world we're living now in baseball with the expanded playoffs. Uh, th- there has to be solid hope when you look at this roster that over the second half of the season, that this is a Mets team that will figure it out and find themselves in the postseason when all is said and done. Yeah, God bless the National League, right? Yeah. You know, if they're in the AL, it's, it's seven or eight that they're out. Uh, but in the National League, you know, you're chasing the likes of Arizona, who's looked great, but you know, you know, that's a team that hasn't been as good the last couple of years. Miami, same boat. Uh, you know, and then essentially you've got Pittsburgh leading the way. Milwaukee has, has taken a step back. You don't know how much to buy into a lot of those teams that are in between the Mets and a playoff position. Uh, so you've got some other disappointing teams alongside them, like St. Louis, like San Diego. Philadelphia has recovered a bit. Uh, but, you know, it still seems like that playoff field is pretty wide open there in a way that it doesn't quite feel the same way in the American League. So the, the Mets are pretty happy about uh, still being in the picture despite this start at this point in the season. I don't think the seat is warm for Oliver Marmel in St. Louis. A lot of people might want it to be warm in terms of Cardinals fans, but, but I don't think it's especially warm at the moment. In New York, is the seat starting to get warm for Buck Showalter? Uh, I don't know if it's warm, but it's milder than it was at the start of the year for sure. Uh, you know, Steve Cohen recently told the New York Post that he, he while dis- well, he's disappointed with the way the season has gone. He does believe in, in who he's got in the bigger roles. That's Billy Epler as general manager and, and Showalter as manager. You know, the, the last year the Mets were so good at those little details. Uh, it really gave them an advantage over other teams. And this year uh, it's kind of gone the other way. Even these last two games against the Yankees, they made a ton of mistakes, even in, in last night's extra inning win, where they, they made base running blunders, they committed a few errors. They just haven't played the kind of crisp baseball uh, that we were used to seeing them from last year, and which, you know, Showalter kind of holds up as, as his calling card. So 
So I think, you know, the, the fan unrest is growing, especially the way the last two weeks have gone for them. But I, I would be very surprised if they made a move on, on Buck uh, anytime in the near future. Tim Burden covers the uh, Mets for the Athletics. A couple more questions for him. When we take a step back and look at the NL East, the Braves are the Braves, and they're having just a, a fantastic season. You mentioned the Phillies in the last week, week and a half. They've really been able to, to turn things around. They're back above 500 for the first time in a while. But the Miami Marlins and Cardinals fans have some interest in the Marlins because of uh, Skip Schumacher. They've, they're have they among the handful of teams that has really exceeded expectations this year. Do you feel like the Marlins and what they've done, that that's legit, or is this going to be a team that does fall back in the second half? It's funny. I was actually talking about this with one of my friends earlier today because you look at their run differential, and I think they're minus 30 or yeah. something like that, and it just doesn't, it doesn't jive with a team that's seven over 500. But then you, you wonder, well, they haven't gotten much out of Alcantara. They haven't gotten much out of Jazz Chisholm. Gene Segura has been the worst, I think, everyday player in Major League Baseball so far this season. Like Those are three guys who, who they were counting on to get something out of and will probably get something more out of in the second half of the season. They're also a team that, that I think – interesting can can be pretty interesting at the trade deadline and that you know they've got offensive needs but they've got that surplus of pitching and and near major league ready pitching that uh makes them a, a really appealing trade partner so i think you know they're they're in a, in a fascinating spot to me where you know they've banked wins when they haven't gotten kind of the high-end performance they expect out of some of their better players uh, and that sets them up to be uh, a team that can go for it on, on august 1st and then maybe maybe make this count uh toward the end of the season I watch from afar, but it feels like the Braves just do what the Braves do. They lock in their own guys to long-term deals. They draft and develop well. They 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 you know pick and choose their spots in free agency or trades. Uh, and then there's all these other teams, whether it is the Phillies or, or the Mets or even teams in the West, like the the Padres and the Dodgers, who go make these big moves. And in the off season, everybody starts to discount the Braves. And then you get into the season, and there they are, just kind of leading the way, the way they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's remarkable. Uh, I think a lot of people pointed to the, the trade for Sean Murphy in the offseason as, as maybe an under-the-radar move that would pay off. I don't think anyone thought it would pay off quite to the extent that it has so far this season with Murphy playing as well as he has. And, you know, they lose Dansby Swanson. You think they'd take a larger step back than they have. Orlando Arce has got an OPS over 800. Uh, I know he missed some time, but but he's he, he's carried the load there. So uh, they're such a tough team to chase down for the Mets because – it's not just how they are right now. It's, it's the way they're situated for the next several years. That you know, as long as even if one of those guys, if Michael Harris II isn't quite the player he was last year, it's a pretty modest extension that he signed, uh, and the, the surplus value they're getting out of the other deals for Acuna and Albies and Riley and all them uh, makes it worth it to, to take that strategy. So, I think you know the Mets have talked about how they have to build a sustainable way of winning, which is building from within more often than they have. Uh, especially the last couple of years when they've tried to, to make big moves in free agency uh, and, and being in Atlanta's division really accentuates that need. Last question for you. The Cardinals will see Kodai Singa in this uh, series so far. He's been pretty good. 3.34 ERA. Um, just Has he been exactly what Mets fans thought he was going to be when the team was able to acquire him? I'm, you know, I'm not sure what Mets fans really thought he was going to be. Yeah. There, there was so much, unexp- you know, so much that you didn't know about uh, Kodai Senga as he came in. And I think he's been what the Mets hoped for. Uh, you know, the, the ERA, I think, is three three four. like you said. Uh, it doesn't quite feel like it's been that good. Um, but he has had a few starts, especially lately. Uh, the start last, last weekend in Pittsburgh was really good uh, when they needed one. 
Um, you know, he's stepped up a bit of late. Uh, and, you know, when he can get his his split, his fork ball, the ghost fork, as he likes to call it, uh, going well, and, and he struggled with it the first couple starts, but has found his feel for it now with the, the Major League Baseball, uh, that's a really tantalizing pitch. Uh, he can kind of play it off of his fastball. He's got a, a good slider and a cutter to play with, too. Uh, like, you know, I think there was some concern coming in that maybe this is a bullpen arm long term, but I think he's, he's, in, he's removed those doubts so far with the, the start he's had to this season. He is uh, Tim Britton, covers uh, the Mets for The Athletic. Tim, thank you so much for uh, taking the time with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Matt. Thank you. All right, very good. There's uh, Tim Burton joining us on the program. Cardinals-Mets, we'll have a, we've got all the games for you here on KMOX. Our coverage tomorrow is going to begin at 5-10 for the 6:05 first pitch between the Cardinals and the Mets. Again, the Cardinals, Miles Michaelis, Adam Wainwright, and uh, Matthew Libertor set to uh, pitch those games uh, over the course of the next three games. I'm excited to uh, see... I sing a pitch against the uh, Cardinals coming up on Saturday. All right, we've got a lot more to get to. You can take your phone calls, your text messages, and your tweets as well. We were just talking about the defense of Oliver Marmel from uh, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. You know, we've gotten a few texts on this one. People not really buying it, and I don't understand why. Are you buying it? Are you not buying it? Does it even matter? We'll take your phone calls, your text messages, and your tweets as we continue on with the strike zone. This is Sports Open Line, a Graybar Sports Open Line. Okay, Mox. Welcome back to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Back at it here on the Strike Zone. We do this Thursday nights during the 7 o'clock hour on KMOX, all part of a Graybar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauly. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauly on air. Uh, talked earlier in the hour. You can believe me or not believe me. I know I'm right on this one. Oliver Marmel has not lost the clubhouse. We can... We can argue all you want about whether or not he's the right guy to lead this team, but I don't think there's much of an argument on when it comes to whether or not he has lost the clubhouse or not. He just hasn't. It's not something that is happening uh, with this team, yet there are so many people out there. And here's what I think, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of your thoughts and beliefs, but when things are not going well, the first inclination is to try to figure out why they're not going well. And you want it to be a really easy, clean answer. And you know what? That doesn't exist with the Cardinals. There's lots of reasons why it's not going well. So when you can't pinpoint that single thing, eventually you start to see stuff that isn't there or read into something too much, and that takes you to, oh, Marmel's lost the clubhouse. And he just hasn't. So that's where a lot of people are. And um, I, I, I... I guess I kind of understand how you get there. It's your choice to believe me or not believe me. But people who cover this team, I'm not the only one. I am not on an island on this one. People who cover this team and are around the team and are in the clubhouse. uh, And look, there's stuff going on behind closed doors that we don't see. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that I know everything that's going on, that I have a complete pulse on this team. There's media in this market that have a much better feel for the pulse of the team than I do. And they don't know everything that's going on behind closed doors. But everybody who's around this team doesn't think 
that Oliver Marmel has lost the clubhouse. All right, let's grab uh, this, uh, Rogerine. Is that the uh, correct pronunciation? All right, Rogerine has uh, joined us on the program. You are on the strike zone. Uh, yes, I'd like to speak of, uh, concerning the Cardinals. I've been a Cardinals fan since I was about eight years old. My dad and I used to listen on the radio. But uh, speaking of, about the Cardinals now, do you think that the system changed this year has affected the Cardinals? What do you mean by the and, system changing? Uh, you know, uh, the pitch count. Oh, okay, the, the rule changes. And then they're playing more games outside of their outside of their division. Yeah, they're in American League one day and National League another day. I think it's some uh, it's some type of adjustment that has to be, you know, made for them. But as far as the Cardinals are concerned, I still love them. I li- I listen on the radio now because I don't I don't see too well. All right, Roger. Yeah, well, we appreciate you listening for for sure and. I do think that I think every team is dealing with the rule changes a little bit differently. I think if you're a younger team, it actually helps you from a pitching standpoint. I think it takes older pitchers a little bit longer to kind of get used to things. Now, the the second part of it is you're not playing as many games against teams in your division. That that hurts because the division is really bad. So you're losing how? What is it? Are they playing twelve against their division now? Was eighteen or nineteen before? I, the, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you're losing uh, a couple series against the other team. So you, you've got less series against the Reds. You got less series against the Pirates and less series against the Brewers and against the Cubs. Although they haven't been especially good against those teams so far this year, we can sit here and talk all day about the fact that they're not playing those teams as much. But when they have had opportunities to play those teams the results have been mixed. They just lost a series to the Cincinnati Reds. So I, I think that impacts the, the the record because you're playing more teams and better teams. I, I don't know how much the rule changes are really impact because if, if the rule changes were only being applied to the Cardinals, then that'd be one thing. But the rule changes are being applied to all the teams. So I don't I don't think they're having a huge impact at this point in time. Text message from the 314 says, Ali may not be the problem, but he's certainly part of the problem. It's a team effort whether they're playing bad or playing well. Yeah, again, there's I am not absolving Oliver Marmel from his role in the Cardinals record. And I that's that's one of those important distinctions. Sometimes I get kind of put into a to a corner because I defend somebody. I'm um, I'm justifying everything that they do. That's not the case. But there's no such thing as a perfect manager, and every manager has a role in their team's wins and their team's losses and their successes and inside of their failures. So yeah. Marmel has culpability in this, but is it enough culpability where he deserves to be fired? I don't think so. And again, going back to what we've talked about so much here in this hour today and the show today because of the comments that were made by Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt yesterday, has he lost the clubhouse? I don't think so. No, I, I don't not think so. I know so that he doesn't. This is when I'm not 100% sure on stuff, I'll tell you. There, there's times I'm... I'm 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 a little waffly on things. Uh, there, there's times where I can be convinced of something else that I'm I'm still kind of 
rummaging through my uh, my internal thoughts on on things. And if that's the case, like I'm not one of these hot take guys. That's not me. I'm not going to sit here and, and say something crazy and then just stick by it forever and ever and ever because it was some sort of hot take. I'm going to be genuine, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to tell you how I feel. And if somebody can convince me of something otherwise, I'm all ears. I think we should all be that way. I think we should all just be listening to other people and learning, and maybe they see something from a little bit of a different perspective. There's very few things that I talk about on this program and on this station that I am just 100% ironclad, totally sure of. And this is one of those things. I am as sure as I can be that Oliver Marmel has not lost the Cardinals clubhouse. Let's grab Kelly, who's given us a call. Hey, Kelly, you're on Sports Open Line. Hey, I'm going to look up Webster's and, and try to figure out what waffly means. <laughs> going back and forth. Kelly, still there? Kelly, did we lose you? Kelly going once. Kelly going three times, two times, three times. I can count. All right. Sorry, Kelly. Give us a call back if you want to. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's a pretty common term, isn't it, Matt? Waffling? Going back and forth? You haven't heard of that term before? No, I've heard of waffle-boarded. Wa- waffle-boarded? From watching hockey, yeah. Okay. Wa- if you waffle on something, it means you go back and forth. Never we hear that it. all the time with politicians. Oh, he's waffling. He, he said, talking out both sides of the mouth. I'll, I'll, I'll waffle every once in a while, but I'm not waffling on this one. Uh, text message from the 314. Ali is the problem. Let him call out Arenado or Goldie publicly like he did with Bader and O'Neill, and he would be history. Others coming to Bader and O'Neill's defense would have been treated the same way. Look, they're clearly, and I, I don't have a problem with this. It's true in sports. You don't treat every single athlete the same way. But you know what? if an anti Ollie person is going to sit here and say, well, he would never say that about Arnado. He would never say that about Goldschmidt. Well, go look at any manager, any head coach. You just, you don't, you don't go after your stars. That's the way it works. Uh, We were talking about this yesterday when somebody said that Wilson Contreras needs to be moved down in the lineup. And I do think I would be surprised if Contreras is hitting fifth tomorrow. My, my expectation is that it's just, it's enough of a struggle for him here at the moment that he is going to uh, probably drop down to the seventh spot in all likelihood. That's where I'm expecting. uh, That's what I'm expecting to see. But we're talking about how, you know, LaRusa wasn't going to, take Albert Pujols or take Mark McGuire and drop him in the lineup when he was in the middle of a slump. Yeah, you're not going to do that with Arenado and Goldschmidt. You're not going to call these guys out. They're just That's the way things work when it comes to stars. Uh, text message from the 303. Who's accountable in the dugout for the performance of the Cardinals? And look, the point being is I, I understand the point that you're trying to get to saying, well, it should be the manager. I just don't think the performance of the Cardinals right now is traced back completely to Oliver Marmel. I don't think players underachieving is his fault. I don't think the roster being constructed the way it's constructed is his fault. I Here's the biggest problem with this team. It's bullpen ineffectiveness. Uh, we, we've talked so much about the 15 of 30 save percentage or 15 of 30 save conversion rate. They have blown as many saves as they've converted this year. 
if you just take five, if they are 20 of 30 in save opportunities, so still bad, still bad. You're 20 of 30. That's not good. They could be bad in save percentage. If you're at 20 of 30, you have five more wins than you have right now, and you're right there. You're, you're what, the four or five games back in the division. So they could be bad in that area. That's the number one thing that is costing this team their winnable games. I talk so often about the everybody wins 60, everybody loses 60. It's the other 40 games that determine whether or not you're going to be a playoff team, be a really good team, or be a really bad team. Well, we've already seen a bunch of those, right? 15 of 30 and save opportunities. We have seen very winnable games, very winnable games, completely get just lost at last moment. We saw that yesterday. They were one strike away from winning, and boom, two-run home run, games tied, lose it in extras. Those are the games that this team just keeps losing, and it's there's the bullpen is such an issue right now for two reasons. One, I don't trust any of these guys in getting those final three outs. Those final three outs are different than every other out that you collect during the course of a game. They're different than the 24 other outs. So there's just, I don't trust anybody right now. Ryan Helsley's the guy you trust the most. He's injured at the moment. Maybe Jordan Hicks is going to be the next guy to get the opportunity. It's crazy that we're saying that when you consider how much he struggled to start the season, but he has been the most consistent relief pitcher here recently. But at the at the same time, um, the starting pitching not going deep into games have put them into a position where they have had to use relief pitchers far too often and for far too many innings, and it's hamstringing the manager. You know, there are times that he's making these decisions on who he's going to use out of the bullpen, and I disagree with the decision in the moment, but in reality, there's not much of a decision to be made because of the availability of pitchers. Every single game you go into, there's going to be some relief pitchers that just are not available. And we're not always told who's available and who's not available out there. And it handcuffs your manager. So a lot of times when we're sitting here being critical of a manager for decisions they're making in bullpen usage, a lot of times they don't have much of another choice on it. Then that's just the um, that's just the world we live in. And the number one way to fix that problem is start getting starting pitchers who can give you six, seven innings every night. Don't have five inning starts. And that puts everything else back in order. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. You can uh, text into the program and wish Matt Pajeski a happy birthday. Nobody's done that yet. He's, he's very sad, by the way. So text in 314-436-7900 and uh, wish sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski a very happy birthday. Don't make him as sad as he is right now. We'll come back. We'll uh, get a few more phone calls in here, and we'll call it a night. It's Sports Open Line, a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Strike Zone on KMOX. Presented by Graybar. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. 
Back at it here on KMOX. It is Sports Open Line, a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. We do the Thursday Strike Zone every week. Building the Future is sponsored by Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data communication needs. How's Jordan Walker doing since uh, returning to the Cardinals? Well, he uh, returned on June 2nd. That was his first game back after coming up since uh, from AAA. So far, so good for him. He's hitting 326. Two home runs, six RBIs. He has a 908 OPS. So if he can continue to do that, he's going to be in pretty good shape here at the big league level. All right, a lot of people want to react to what we're talking about. We have just a few minutes left in the program. So if I get to you, try to keep your comments pretty short. We'll just roll through them real quick. We will start with Steve. Hey, Steve, you're on Sports Open Line. Man, uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, you one did a wonderful surface explanation defending our manager, but you left that one glaring inability his decision making on when to pull the starter or the reliever to me it sticks out like a sore thumb example the last giants game hicks flew through the eighth inning and so what do they do they bring in a reliever and it's all downhill and also in regard to hicks i know he's required to pitch the three batters before they put him down but i would tell him after you get the first three other way if you walk a man go grab a seat on the bench that's all I got to say. Thank you, sir. All right, Steve. Appreciate it. For the record, if if tomorrow the Cardinals are up by one run in the ninth inning and they need to go to somebody to close it out, if it was my choice, I would go with Jordan Hicks. And if he can't handle the final three outs, then, then you look to somebody else. But right now, based off what's going on, Hicks would be my ninth inning guy. Jim has given us a call. Hey, Jim, you are on Hi. Sports Open Line. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. I lay this directly at the feet of Mose. Like he knew going into the season we had no starting pitching. He made excuses about, oh, you know, our players are at the World Baseball Classic. So was everybody else's. Every team deals with injuries. He's done nothing. I, Jim, appreciate it. I, I don't think John Mose had a great offseason. The Will, I, I love the Wilson Contreras signing, his current performance notwithstanding. When all is said and done, the, the Contreras signing is going to be a good one. I think it's pretty clear now the Cardinals could have done more. I think they, and I was thinking this exact same thing. I said it over and over. I think they were banking on the fact that they were going to be good enough to be uh, in the top spot in the division, and then they could make in-season acquisitions. Nobody saw this going the way it's going. The one thing I would say in defense of Mosellock, he's got a track record of producing a lot of really good winning teams. It's not going well right now. There's nothing wrong with saying that he was part of the process. He was part of the decision-making process and um, looking at him, but also not giving him the opportunity to fix the roster as it is right now. Uh, To me, with his track record of what he's done, as much winning as the Cardinals have done, and I know people point to the lack of recent postseason success, and, and that is what it is, but John Mozeliak has a really good track record of building good teams, winning teams, playoff teams. So while we can be critical of the way he built this roster, and I think it's very legitimate to be critical of the current roster, at the same time, recognize what he has done and see what he can do to possibly get this team out of its current situation. Elgin has given us a call. Hi, Elgin. You're on Sports Open Line. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about the Cardinals. They, you know, the Cardinals got a a way better team than they are playing. I think it's all in the coach. If they get another coach, I mean, I could come in and and, and make them lose what they what they are doing. But 
you know, they got to look at it. They got to look at the coach. You know, when he do interviews, he do he do interviews like they're winning. They're not losing, and and, and that's sad. And that, and that's my uh uh that's my comment for today. All right, Elgin, appreciate it. I think as a leader, whether you're a baseball manager, whether you're a head coach in any sport, you have to pick and choose your spots on when you're gonna not be as even keel. Even keel leaders get the most out of the people that they are leading. And that doesn't mean you're always even keel. I, we let Elgin go. I don't, I don't know if Elgin heard Oliver Marmel yesterday. Yesterday's post-game press conference was different than any post-game press conference that Marmel has given this year. He, was, he sounded angry. He sounded peeved. Another word that some people say on the radio, and I tend not to. He, like there, That was not a happy man yesterday, and rightfully so. They had no business losing that game yesterday. Uh, so he picks his spots. When, when things are going poorly, you want a leader who's going to calm the waters more often than a leader who's going to create more waves. I'm not saying you never create more waves. There's times to make people feel uncomfortable. There's times to call people out. There's times for all of these things. But the baseline, the day-to-day, how you should be leading, the great leaders are even keel. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. And people know where they stand with you. And I think Marmel's good at that. Now, here's the question when it comes to Marmel that, that I think is a very legitimate question. He is a young guy. Does he know, does he have the ability to walk these players who have never experienced what they're experiencing right now in terms of losing, an organization that has an incredible run of success, does he have what it takes from the emotional side of things to help these players through this period? There was a great photo taken by a post-dispatch photographer the other night after Wilson Contreras decided that he was going to make a water cooler feel everybody's pain. And there was a, there was a photo of just Marmel and Contreras sitting there in the dugout together talking that, that shows me the guy who does know what it, what it takes from an emotional standpoint to help these players through what they're going through right now. But I don't know that for sure. I don't, I don't know him personally well enough to be able to say that for sure. And a photo is just a photo. It's just a moment in time. So I'm not going to make any huge conclusions because of a photo um, that that was out there. But that, I think that's a legitimate question. He's a very young guy with very little managing experience. He, From an X's and O's standpoint, from a data standpoint, he's very good. How is he with leading people through adversity? Well... Hopefully we don't have to learn too much more about it, but we'll just have to wait and see how this team does. That's it for this edition of Sports Open Line. We'll talk to you tomorrow for Cardinals Baseball here on KMOX. In manufacturing, we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.